0: Alrighty, welcome back to episode 10 of Theologize. Um, Today we have Julie on the podcast, um, who is from um, Great Commission School, correct? Mm -hmm. Uh, Used to be God Will Provide, now it's Great Commission, and I know that she's been doing some awesome work over there, so I'm excited to have her on the podcast. Um, My sister-in-law brought her over, so um, I've had some cool ministry experiences with her myself. Um, So yeah, I'm excited. Julie, you want to introduce yourself?
1: Yeah, sure. First of all, David, I'm very honored to um, be here and um, to have this conversation with you and to have the honors of being on your podcast. I really appreciate that. Um, But yeah, as you've mentioned, I do come from Great Commission Missionary School, um, which is in Portland, Oregon right now. Um, As you mentioned, it used to be known as God'll Provide. Um, And when I was, uh, I'm originally from upstate New York, Um, when I was about 1819 kind of hit like a crisis in my life trying to figure out what's the point of life and and all those kind of typical questions that come with growing up. and um, found myself just kind of being boggled down with uh, depression and just questioning and doubts and faith questions and you know atheism potentially and all this just all this stuff bringing me to the missionary school. Um, and I ended up staying and serving on staff. and as I would serve on staff, that's when we crossed a lot of different stories. Um, that's when we even just as a school started, um, even going more into a counseling kind of direction, just a biblical counseling, clearly, since we're not professionals in the field. Um, but, uh, yeah, just kind of providing soul care for people. Um, and thus we started hearing out a lot of people's stories, um, started hearing out a lot of, uh, maybe people's even sin cycles. Uh, why can't, why they can't break free from a certain sin particularly, and which would be a lot of, um even just deeply rooted issues that had happened in their past, that had happened in their childhood, um, and thus uh, kind of got myself planted in, in that kind of a ministry of, of counseling, that kind of a focus. And so through the years, um, we ended up even uh, kind of seeing more of a problem arise amidst uh, the school students, and that was the issue of sexual abuse. And um, I think that's going to be primarily what we're going to focus on today, is talking about uh, a new organization that we started, uh, it's still in the startup process. Um, well, it's f- fully functioning at this point, but it's, uh, it's, we're in the one-year mark, so this is exciting. Actually, March is one, our one year.
0: Wow, yeah. oh, congratulations. <laughs>
1: Thanks. That's exciting. Um, so yeah, we started MyUnheardVoice.org um, as an organization to give voice to the unheard, uh, which is basically uh, raising awareness about the reality, the effects of child sexual abuse, particularly through the Slavic community. But we obviously know that this is a widespread issue uh, far beyond the Slavic borders. And so, yeah, at the missionary school, uh, we would have students come. And our school kind of generally, our general population were people who had grown up in America, but um, have roots uh, to the Slavic um, people, uh, parents, you know, had immigrated and so on. So we're always in that, uh, very odd transition of transitioning into two. We're kind of bicultural if there's a such thing. Um, and so that's, that's primarily the community that we would work with. And so, um, yeah, that being said, uh, we would see kind of a consistent issue of, um, people dealing and struggling deeply with sexual issues, sexual sin, um, sexual addictions and so on. And so we started to really kind of dive deeper into that, seeing that a lot of it was stemming from the issue of being sexually abused sometime in the past or in general, just being introduced to sexuality in a very wrong light in a very long, wrong way, Uh, which is actually very interesting because when we look at the understanding of sexuality, um, I think I was reading a book actually, it's called, um, Oh, by Julie Slattery, which, by the way, I would strongly recommend um, listening to. Java, Java with Julie. It's another really sweet podcast um, of all things sexually related, um, and what she talks about is uh, having the correct and proper narrative and understanding of of sexuality in the first place. Because as a culture, there's a cultural narrative that's set, and um, the cultural narrative, I mean, it preaches a lot hey, of, hey, uh, go experiment, do whatever makes you happy, explore. Um, and that's the problem is it bypasses a relationship. And when we look at the real reason of why the Lord uh, even created us to be sexual beings is because of a covenant love and a covenant relational concept. And so the cultural understanding of sexuality it really bypasses the idea of relationship. And so we can already see that that's the wrong narrative.
0: So can I ask you... Um- Because generally, not just with sex, but just overall, like God creates something perfectly good Mm -hmm. and the devil twists the concept of it to make it a corrupt idea. And so um, specifically with this uh, sexuality is you have people because you were just talking about consummation being sex is consummating the covenant Mm -hmm. um, between a husband and a wife um, and between God. So essentially, when people are just going out and having sex, they're consummating with everyone. They're sealing mm-hmm. fake covenants, right? Yeah, yeah. So it's just something interesting to think about. But yeah, continue. Sorry, I didn't, I didn't want to go down a rabbit trail there. But no, just that's really the good. corruption of the enemy overall.
1: Yeah. And then um, I think as a church and uh, we, those who had grown up in the church, we were also preached a different kind of narrative, which is the purity of understanding which is the thing is purity is is a very big blessing and i think anybody who did remain pure um you know they never regretted it you know or anything like that and meaning and you know they waited to have sex until marriage um but the problem is is that uh it's also not the answer because what do you do about those people that kind of don't fit into the purity category for whatever reason for example if they have been sexually abused naturally technically they don't fit into that category or at least they don't feel like it because when a person's been sexually abused there's such a deep sense of shame and guilt and just filth you know i'm just such a dirty person right now and i i can't quite seem to fit myself into this purity narrative so plus this purity narrative really preaches that hey um you know you're gonna lose your blessing um and 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 once you do, a lot of people just go hard into, you know what? I lost my blessing already. And so I'm just going to go do whatever I want or whatever um, is pleasing. And so it's kind of the wrong understanding simply because it doesn't really fuel it into the right direction. Whereas if we have a biblical understanding, you recognize this is something valuable. This is something good. Whereas in the purity narrative, uh, it talks more so like, Hey, it's, it's, it's sin. It's sin. It's sin. You know, don't do it. Don't, don't do Don't mess around with that stuff. And so when you have the biblical understanding, it's actually, Hey, it's something good. It's something you should desire and all of that, but in its proper measures and under the covenant of, of, uh, marriage.
0: Could you, um, define shame or like explain like what it looks like in these scenarios for someone maybe listening Oof. to this podcast it's an i know it's a that's loaded a, that's question, a good one <laughs> but um i think it'll be there might be someone listening that uh they're like i have those feelings but i didn't know what to associate it with mm-hmm. or at least um the fruit of what that looks like in the sexual mm-hmm. abuse world
1: yeah for sure um i think what, if you speak with anybody who's been ever sexually abused uh, which is such a hard thing to go through. And actually, I mean, just to even clarify, what is considered sexual abuse? It's uh, any sort of physical, uh, verbal, um, or visual interaction with a person um, who is trying to gratify their their sexual uh, satisfaction, sexual stimulation. Um, and so, it could it doesn't necessarily need to mean rape you know, rape means the full penetration of sexual intercourse. And so, um, I think a lot of people, they naturally think, well, I wasn't raped. Um, I was just touched maybe repeatedly or even one time. Um, and so the thing is, because I think, uh, I think our sexuality is so intertwined with who we are as beings. Yes, it's not our identity, but it, it rings so closely to it. Um, I think when, when something is, uh, crossed, into that area even for example talking to people who have been abused as a child they're like i have no idea why but i just feel so ashamed and i blame i blame myself like why can why can't i fight them off why why didn't i do something and um and you see i'm not sure exactly why shame is is necessarily the the concept there maybe because it is preached to us um you know hey keep yourself um in purity and, and so on but it's, it's just that natural thing that just follows um, I think that's even whenever we see sexual sin not even just abuse but yeah shame and guilt is like that number one word that pops up to describe somebody's feelings who've been abused where it's just I'm so ashamed of where I'm at I'm so ashamed I'm so disappointed in myself and my life and and kind of what happened to me and and I yeah and and the problem is is that shame many times fuels, more sin and more, uh, issues and more sexual sin, particularly, because especially if, um, yeah, they were, they were sexually violated. And so all they know is sexual things. They have a sexual understanding, actually very interesting story, but I was talking to one girl, um, who was kind of pouring out her heart's hurt and sharing about how she was stuck in addiction of sexual, uh, s- sorry, in a sexual addiction of pornography which is not as common for females, but it, it is very common. It's kind of becoming more and more common amidst the female um, gender. So, cause I think normally it's known as like the male issue or whatnot, right. but right. it's just as common or, or almost just as common uh, nowadays for, for females. And so she's stuck in this uh, cycle and she's like, I can't get free. Can you please help me? And so we start talking about, Hey, where was your first introduction to sex in the first place? Um, and uh, she begins to share this story and I had multiple stories like this and they begin to remember oh when I was 15 you know this and that happened a boy you know kissed me or whatnot and then they start trailing back um to like childhood age and two specific stories one girl um her uh, her sisters ending, ended up while she was napping ended up stripping her and and just touching her putting their fingers into places where they didn't belong and from that moment on, it's just, she was awakened se- sexually. And this girl is five, six years old. Uh, she has no idea, um, any about any of these uh, sexual emotions that kind of not emotions. That's a poor way of saying it, but just the, the feelings that, and all of this stuff that she's experiencing in the moment, she doesn't, she can't put a word to it. She doesn't know why uh, she can't understand it and so on. And also, um, talking with, uh, talking with the other girl. So she's like, Hey, my grandma and grandpa were having a hangout, um, with a bunch of their friends. And so I'm just sitting on somebody's lap and, um, and he begins to, you know, uh, put his, his fingers into my private areas. And she's like, but it's not a big deal. I'm fine. You know? And I'm like, are you sure you're fine? You you know, don't downplay what, what happened to you because, um, it does shape, a lot of your perspective and your view, especially of sexuality. And if you're struggling with sexual sin, um, it's pretty important to look back and see where did it come from or what was the introduction to it in the first place. And what's interesting is she says, she says, Julie, I can't, uh, I can't believe this, but I remember to the T of everything that happened to me that day. I remember what I was wearing. I remember, you know, what the room looked like, how I was sitting on his lap, everything. I remember everything in detail. And she's like, I was just a a little girl, a couple of years old. And, um, and she's like, but from that moment on, after he touched me, I looked at my grandma and I was like begging for help with my eyes. She didn't understand what was happening. It's a trusted person. They're in public. It's not like it's even a secretive thing behind a closed door, which is usually what happens. Um, and she says from that moment on, it's a switch went off in me and I started seeing everything very sexual. Like everything was hyper-sexualized and that's one of the effects of, of, um, sexual abuse is like a very hypersexualized understanding and, and thus shame comes. And so, and it's like this coupling effect, um, where, where, yeah, it's like a, that, uh, that lens is, is becoming a, um, a normal thing for this girl's life where, um, but that's exactly the problem is that that's how she was introduced to it. Um, introduced to it by the means of abuse and, um, and she might think, Hey, it's not a big deal, but it is there like whether she likes it or not the shame is there the guilt is there and and like uh that that burden is there
0: i guess shame will like manifest into like depression anxiety Mm -hmm. and you don't really know why you have these Mm -hmm. feelings in your life or like you said more indulgence into the sin so just something for people to be looking out Mm -hmm. um as to maybe why they have feelings uh, or anxiety depression yeah this is
1: exactly um such a such a good thought because Um, a person, so all of us, we have what they call in the professional world of psychology, they call pleasure pathways, you know? So, you know, when, when a person is having any sort of sexual relationship, there's, there's pleasure pathways that are opened up, especially if like in, in the means of, you know, pornography and stuff like that. Um, but that's exactly the problem is, is somebody, uh, violated that and kind of barged in and introduced themselves unwelcomed um, and so the pleasure pathways are opened up. And so naturally a person who's been abused, it's so, um, it's so almost natural for them to walk along those pleasure pathways. Cause it seems like that's all they know, uh, for many people, actually for some of the girls that I was speaking with, they're like, Hey, it feels like it's just stamped on my forehead. Like this is who I am. It always follows me. I always seem to find people who are interested in abusing me even more. And it's like, how do they know?
0: And that's super crippling. Yeah. Just to try to live life like that. Like how do you go out the front door every morning? I can imagine. Wow.
1: Yeah. Yeah. But that's the beauty of the gospel is that he, Jesus Christ comes and he gives us a new name. You know, he washes us clean and he makes us pure. Mm -hmm. And that's the beauty of it is that I, when I do expose the fact of my sexual abuse, my sexual addictions, and I begin to see the patterns of it. And especially when, We begin to see the right understanding of our sexuality and why God created sex and us as sexual beings. And when I begin to have that proper understanding that it is something good, it is something that reflects God. So when I go to indulge in in sexual sin, I I have a clear understanding or, um, you know, when I'm seeking help and healing from the abuse that I've been through, um, it really helps because, I mean, scripture is flooded with hope and promises that we can hold on to. And, um, and that's a beautiful thing for sure.
0: Um, we did talk yesterday, um, a little bit about, there's like a three-step process mm-hmm. that you guys do. I don't know if that's in your notes and I'm jumping, sure. sh- jumping at <laughs> it again here, but, um, I did want to talk about that because I think that's super important for people to n- know that this is a process. Mm-hmm. Um, it's not just like a, uh, flip the switch and you're good kind of thing.
1: Oh yeah, for sure. Um, that's definitely, that's definitely very true is that it's so much of a process For some people, um, I know that, um, they'll be in just the under, um, the understanding like, Hey, I've actually been sexually abused. They'll actually acknowledge that they've been abused, um, for a really long time. And they'll only stay in that stage and that step for even more than a year, two years. And, and that's okay. As long as they are addressing it and you can't really push yourself to crazy healing, you know, before it's time, because this is something between you and the Lord and, um, especially if hurt was caused throughout a long period of time, it's important to, um, not, you know, rush the process as well. Uh, for example, one of the stories that I love to share, and whenever I get a chance to speak about the subject, I try to share my friend's story, which I think is very, sheds a lot of good light, um, and as well as a lot of good hope. So, um, and then I think we can maybe even jump into the three-step process. Maybe it'll give us a little bit of a backbone. We can refer to this story. Um, so my friend, uh, and this is the beautiful part is that she is redeemed and just really restored. Um, lately, actually not too long ago, uh, she mentioned to me, she's like, Hey, Julie, I want to get married once again. And we were like jumping around screaming like little girls, like, yes, we're getting more restored. And so how this began was when she was about six years old, her, um, her grandfather, he was a minister at the church as well. Um, they were living in Ukraine at the time. So her alongside with her sister, a couple cousins, they were always, you know, at grandpa's house. And so, um, you know, naturally as, uh, parents, they were trusting their own blood father, you know, <clears throat> in taking care of the children is probably the best person because first of all, he's a minister. He's a, uh, what we would call a man of God. Um, he preaches at the pulpit, says the right things. Um, and plus he's, he's a grandfather. So of all, of all people, he's going to take care of them well. Um, but the problem is, is that nobody knew what was happening and neither did the girls speak up about this because, um, you just feel like this is something silent. Um, some people are groomed for this where, where you, you are, um, told, Hey, we're going to play a game or, Hey, this is our little secret or, or there's a fear tactic involved where, Hey, if you say this to anybody, if you share about this, you're going to break apart the, the, our family. And, and this kid has so much pressure on him. So I'm not sure exactly if she had any of that, those kind of things uh, be pressed on her. But one, uh, some of the things that had happened is that um, she was sexually violated multiple times. I mean, like every time, you know, she was being babysat Um, and, and at random, she didn't know when to expect it and she would just freeze, which is the normal, usually you always freeze. Very rarely can a person fight back. And that's exactly the problem with sexual abuse is that it's a trip in power. Um, so this person is far more powerful than, um, than you and thus, you know, they have more control. Very interesting thought though, actually to, to branch off of that real quick. But when we look at even David and Bathsheba, I know there's a lot of debate of like, who's at fault? Like, why didn't she say no? But that's exactly the problem is he was the King who says no to the King. Yeah,
0: I I mean, that would be very difficult. to
1: (laughs) Yeah, exactly. And so same thing with abuse, you know, it's, um, majority of the time it's, it's somebody way more powerful than you. And especially when we're talking about childhood sexual abuse, that's obviously the situation and the case is that somebody, um, who is years ahead of you, body structures, bigger, stronger. Um, and so there's kind
0: of no way of, of fighting back. So it's either for them, it's either, um, their sexuality or their, you know, their well being, their health, mm-hmm. like their life, maybe even. Yeah, it yeah.
1: can be very much so. Yeah. And it's just. A natural instinct plus um, I was just pondering on this subject a lot um, obviously and so one of the things I realized is like for example I trust my father so much I love him I'm a daddy's girl all the way and so if he was to do anything or to ask me to do anything I so badly want to please him that I'll do anything you know and I think Um, there's a lot of that kind of understanding because I don't know what's wrong and right. I'm I'm five, six, seven, ten years old. I don't know. He's he's my dad. He knows. He's the hero. He's the the good, strong man. Um, he's an adult, he knows what he's talking about. I don't. So so naturally I would I would do anything he would tell me, you know. Um, so I, I completely understand, you know, um, and I think that's important to even acknowledge is like, hey, you couldn't have known better. You know, and some people are so like shamed and like, man, why didn't I know? Why didn't I know? And it's like, hey, you can't, you can't know. Anyways, we're, we're going on a rabbit trail. <laughs> no, no,
0: I think it's super important because they're, they're, you know, things are brought up in this podcast by random sometimes and mm. it's really what people need to hear. So Amen. rabbit That's trails right. are sometimes a good thing.
1: Yeah. And so, um, going back to my friend's story, what happens to her is that, uh, for about, um, seven years she was being abused um, so that's a very, very long time because that's, oh, that's yeah. when her worldview lens was kind of formed. Um, it stopped right around the age of 13. Um, and, uh, nobody found out, nobody knew up until when she was about 20 years old. When, um, the other cousins that were involved started, um, having a lot of deep rooted issues of, um, of like eating disorders, trying to control things. Cause you have to understand that the act of abuse there's a lot of control that's lost. There's a lot of fear that takes over. Um, kind of like we talked about, there's a lot of pleasure pathways that are opened up, but you feel so wrong at the same time. And it's just such a messy, hurtful place, um, such a broken place. And and so naturally a lot of people, um, particularly girls, they try to really control, 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 um, you know, anxiety and depression, all of that. So my, in my friend's case, she really went into the depression mode. Um, yeah, really locked up, uh, really, uh, got very, um, rebellious and she was just, she was ready to just, uh, run away from home, just go, uh, as rebellious as possible against her parents. Just, she was planning to like get super tatted and (laughs) everything like that, which is kind of interesting because she's from a very conservative upbringing and that kind of thing. So, um, Long story short, what happens to her is that she ends up at our missionary school, um, where this issue begins to kind of, uh, get brought up because light was shed onto it. Um, and the other, the other cousins involved, uh, kind of began to share about their struggles, their marital issues that they began to have because they started to get married and so on. And, um, and thus one of them spoke up and shared and, um, the problem got more so revealed. And so, Um, just a side thing when she had tried to share with a minister before in the past um, and she was kind of shut down and they're like okay interesting you know and and that's it and this is one of the biggest problems that I think if anybody is a minister or um, just some sort of a worker in in the church or in in any sort of ministry it's so important to do something about it because whenever somebody doesn't it, uh, really affects, uh, the, the child's worldview and saying, Hey, uh, all these feelings that I have right now, they're affirmed that nobody cares for me. I'm unloved. I'm worthless. I have no value. And when nobody actually responds or uh, stands up for defense of that child or that person, um, all those feelings of, of shame and guilt are kind of confirmed. Like, yeah, this is who I am. See, see, like nobody does care and, um, you're just kind of made for this. And so, That's a pretty scary thing. Yeah, especially
0: Um, because it probably took them a lot to mm -hmm. go talk to someone. And then as soon as someone shuts them down, it's like, okay, I'm going to go do this. And your world just crashes down around you. Yeah. So if there's any ministers listening um, to this or, you know, youth pastors, I'm a former youth pastor. um, I know it might be heavy to hear, but it's extremely important to take care of your sheep that you are sort of... Mm -hmm that are under your care. Like, I believe that it's your calling by God to not just be a preacher, man, yeah. um, but also to care for hurting people mm-hmm. in the church, which I want to ask you, and this is going to go on a little tangent before we jump into the process thing, but um, how do you take care of yourself mentally and spiritually when uh, you have to hear some of these heavy, heavy subjects um, mm-hmm. and stories from people?
1: Um, that's a great question. I think I just really try to spend a lot of time at the cross and just realizing god you you're taking these burdens they're not mine to carry for these people i'm i'm just i'm just walking alongside that person but you're the one who's carrying the burden um and i really like yeah it's not easy to hear and so naturally i think even as a girl you know we're emotional beings and i all of us are emotional beings maybe the females a little more so and so um, I just spend time just pouring my heart out, crying before the Lord and just kind of giving it to him. But personally for me, I do feel a sense of, um, I guess, boldness in addressing a lot of this. And I think it just comes from the Lord. Um, and I think, uh, that, that anointing is for everybody who's going to be crossing this issue. I think God provides the grace for his children to walk alongside his broken children. You know, first of all, it's an honor. It's an honor to walk alongside those who are hurting And so, um, when we get the chance to do that, I think we're just afraid because it's such, um, a vulnerable, hurtful place. Um, we're just afraid. We don't know what to do. Uh, we don't know where to start, but it's, um, you'll, you'll be surprised, but it's not as scary. All you do is literally just hand in hand, walk alongside a person. Nobody really needs you to provide the right answers. They just need somebody to be there. Mm -hmm. And what I try to even explain to a person is, um, do everything that they didn't receive in that time, especially of abuse. So, when a person's abused, what's happening is crazy fear takes over to the point where you basically get paralyzed. Um, uh, you lose complete control um, of of everything that's happening. Once again, you're even physically sort of paralyzed in that moment, um, and and all of your power is taken away from you. Your your will, because even if you wanted. It's not like you ask for it, first of all, and you don't, you don't want it. You don't desire it, but your power is taken away. So providing that person with all of those things, first of all, a voice, like I'm listening. I'm just, I'm just listening. I'm not judging. I'm not saying, Hey, you should have done, or maybe you could have, or naturally you want to provide all the right answers, but it's just empowering them to speak and saying, Hey, I'm here for you. I'm listening. Um, and, uh, providing them with safety and providing them with, with just security which all those things they didn't have, um, and providing, yeah, providing them like just an environment where they don't have to be afraid. Um, so especially the thing is where it gets messy is when we're talking about a child, uh, yeah. when, or, or maybe even more so a teenager when they're just like, technically by the law, um, you must report that. And so that's when it gets a little bit messy. I've had a couple situations where, um, a girl would reach out to me and she's like, Hey, if you're going to report this, I'm not speaking with you. And it, she would reach out anonymously. So naturally I can't report a person who I don't know. Um, which we'll talk about how we have an anonymous uh, emailing system, but yeah. And and so there's, there's that struggle of, of like, Hey um, you know, to what extent do I help this person and how, but if we're talking about, Hey, you're, you're a minister um, or even just a friend, um, and you're walking alongside somebody who is, you know, an adult, but they're dealing with what had happened to them as a child. It's so important just to listen, just to be there, just to be a friend, and remember that you're walking hand in hand, but bringing all of it before the Lord, and all of it, like not holding on to any of it, and just, yeah, I just saw before the Lord and say, Lord, <laughs> help. Awesome.
0: No, I think that's such good advice for people because um, we do try to do a lot of self help things, but we can't, mm-hmm. like, especially in your position. Um, where you're like, okay, I'm hearing a lot of heavy, heavy things, and mm-hmm. you know, I'll just go do a run or you know, take a walk in the woods, but it to cl- clear my mind. But that doesn't work without the power of the Holy Spirit, exactly. right? Exactly. So.
1: Yeah. So going back to my friend's story, um, what happened in her situation is she began to shed light onto it, and um, when she came and speaking, just to even branch off what we just talked about about a proper minister uh, hearing, uh, she came to another minister which by the way um psychologists christian psychologists and all that they say at least tell three people because at least one of them is going to respond correctly um and yeah, so she went yeah she went and she shared with another minister and he did uh, responded correctly um in the sense of just listened and he he's like hey as from the face of your dad and or i'm sorry from the face of your grandfather and from the face of a minister i want to bless you and pray for you and invite god's spirit and God's light into this wound. Um, it's clearly a deep one and it's going to take a process of healing, but he began to just to bring hope, uh, for the first time. And that for her was very, very healing because it was the first time for her to really share her heart and for it to be reciprocated correctly, I guess. So, um, after that began just a journey, a journey of, um, slowly addressing kind of each lie that comes with with this issue with this um abuse and hurt and so um with time uh, as she would just prayerfully address all of the burden uh, and so on and talk to people throughout it um dealing i mean f- uh, you're going to be walking alongside you know your coping mechanisms you're going to be walking alongside every single lie that came in that act for example like we had just mentioned about your identity and how it really begins to try to preach to you that look this is who you are it's stamped on your forehead it's just going to follow you wherever you go you're not going to be loved when you get married because you're you know kind of used or whatnot and and all of these things you do need to address and bring it before the face of the lord and into his light and that's what she was doing um where god was really shedding his light and love um and care and and um and yeah, restoring her heart. One of the biggest things is I think naturally a person begins to think that, um, where was God? You know, why did he let this happen? Uh, especially in her case, uh, like I had mentioned, this is a a person that she had trusted, but this was also a minister. So that's a very shaky situation where, um, especially if this is happening in the church, um, especially this happening amidst the the people of God, where it's supposed to be a safe haven, a safe place where I can come and find refuge in this place. But unfortunately, we see that it happens a lot in the church. And and by no means am I you know trying to throw dirt on the church. But Scripture does call us to expose the works of the enemy, and of course, he's going to do it in a place of the house of God. You know, he's going to try to um, invite something that is doesn't belong in amidst the people of the lord but um in her case she really needed to find healing from that and saying lord like where were you and god was there and it this is the reason why this was happening is cuz this world is so sin um sin saturated and it's it's a broken world and and god never said that it was going to be easy or it was going to be a good uh, life where we're super protected from everything, but he promises to be our way of escape or our refuge in a way. Um, so the thing is she needed, and I know that can get, you know, very deep and, and by no means do I want to, I guess, uh, skim over that too much, but I know we're in a time crunch.
0: Oh no, no, no. We, yeah. I mean, this is good stuff. So. <laughs>
1: yeah. And so, yeah, for sure. She really needed to find even healing from, from that, uh, from that perspective of God in the first place and, uh, which she did and realizing that, okay, this wasn't God's fault. God was with me. And what's interesting is she says that, Hey, I did have peace every time that it would happen. I just knew that Jesus was right by my side, but, um, I'm struggling in the, uh, I was, I was struggling in like the after effects and the aftermath of somebody else's addiction. Um, and it's very interesting because yes, when we live in addiction, we're, we're so prone to her others and our sin isn't just our sin it's gonna affect somebody else mm. and so it's such an uh, interesting concept but i'm so thankful that when christ came he broke all of those chains and all of those um strongholds that the enemy really tried to put on uh especially put on his people and so in her situation yeah she began to just get more so and more so restored Um, and, and that's the power of shedding light onto a specific issue, a specific soul wound. Um, meanwhile, her cousins, they were not doing so well. And to this day, some of them are not. And the reason why is just because, um, you do need to nurture that specific wound and, and bring it before the face of God and, and, and whatnot. So, um yeah now she's doing very well she uh served with us on staff at the school she went on missions she's been um out and about like i mentioned you know she's like hey i'm at this stage where i i was like convinced that i'm never gonna get married i don't want to i don't have any desire for that but she's like now i do i you know i'm i'm excited to have an intimate life and and I'm, i'm actually open and excited for that which is such a big deal because that already just shows so much healing. And she's like, I look back and I I, can, I don't even recognize that little girl who I was because I'm literally a new creation. Yeah. And that's the power of the gospel. Yeah, wow. Yeah. So that's what's exciting um, is is it's not just, um, hey, this is a big issue and we don't know what to do about it, but God does offer a solution, a very firm solution and a, and a firm way out and a hope um, that is an anchor for our soul um and that's the beauty of it. There's so much hope in, in the Lord.
0: I did want to um bring up the process part and just mm-hmm. give a a little bit of attention there because I think I know not just with sexual sin, but just sin overall. Um people get frustrated mm-hmm. um when the process isn't going as quickly mm-hmm. um as you would like it to. Yeah. Um and so just for an encouragement to people out there that are frustrated and they're like, This is taking too long, this should have been instant. I mm-hmm. met Jesus all these things. Um, you want to speak on that for a moment?
1: Yeah, sure. Um, yeah, I think the biggest thing is to recognize that the fact that it actually happened. Um, I, and this is where the shame I think sets in is like, I know even for myself when I was struggling with my own sin is I I was running from the reality of that it ever happened. Um, it's like, nope, nope, nope. I'm just trying to run away. And then when you have to pause and like, let it, Kind of set, set on you and realize, okay, this actually did happen. This is my struggle, and I kind of have to own it. It is kind of like a shameful thing because you actually have to admit it. But you realize, okay, this did happen to me. Or for example, in the means of abuse, like yes, this did happen to me. You have to realize that you can't heal from something you refuse to admit is hurting. So, um, and time alone, you know, it, it doesn't heal. It does help, um, but if if it's in the presence of God. So I think the biggest thing, and I, I I can't bypass that is how important it is to invite Jesus into your heart as Lord and savior, Mm -hmm. realizing that we, especially for, and speaking in the sense of sexual abuse, um, you are hurt and, and drowning in, in that hurt and God offers hope and restoration and, and, um, yeah, testimony, you know, and so he is the savior that pulls you out of, of that hurt and and writes a new story um once again it's not a momentary thing but i think we'll we'll get into that and so i think the number one number one thing is realizing that it happened and inviting jesus in and saying okay i need a savior i need redemption and i need healing a big other another big thing is um grieving what had happened um and i think we're so quick to jump over that especially those in the in the in the Christian community because we're like, Oh, I need to forgive. I need to forgive and just move on. Mm -hmm. But the thing is you can't forgive. Well, if you don't realize the depths of what had happened, you know, it's
0: actually biblical too. Like the mm -hmm. grieving process is a biblical thing, not, you know, for death and like there's a time Mm -hmm. to grieve.
1: Yeah. And in scripture it says not to grieve as without hope, Mm, you know, that's really good. So we do have a hope. And so when I grieve, I'm not throwing a pity party because that's also not correct. But, in the sense of I'm grieving realizing the weight of what had happened, the weight of what that person kind of took away from me. Um, when I realized the weight of it, I can forgive so deeply. I can forgive so thoroughly. Um, and I can, it's a, it's a firm understanding, you know, even when Christ, he forgave us, he felt the way of the world, the, the weight of sin upon his shoulders. Yeah. And he forgave completely like acknowledging the weight of what was laid upon him. And that was, um, I think, far deeper rather than just saying, oh, yeah, yeah, I'm just, I'm just going to go do this, you know, and jump over the grieving process. So I think the grieving process is very important to acknowledge. Yeah. So another step I think is very crucial is really restoring the conflict between you and God and seeing um, what is it specifically because Jesus is our source of hope and help and I can run to him but why why am I struggling to run to him and why am I str- like what's what's in that connection between me and God that is broken um, and so for example trust is a big one or fear or all of that and really addressing that specific thing sp- that specific route um, for example uh, you know if I'm struggling with trust and I could say um, you know how can I trust God like look, at all these people who'd failed me, but like acknowledging that God is not man, you know? And like, even in, um, numbers, there's a really cool part of scripture in 23, It says, God is not man that he should lie. Not a son of man that he should change his mind. Has he ever spoken and failed to act? Has he ever promised and not carried it through? So understanding that God is not man and the mistakes that man can make or the faults that people can carry. He's not like that.
0: I love the last line of that mm. the promises because I was going to bring that up it's like well if we look at the bible he's never not fulfilled a promise
1: exactly exactly and that's the hope that you know we have especially for those who have been abused it's like hey like there are so many promises to stand upon um the thing is we as people we have a very broken understanding of love for example and yes and so on and and when you receive the eyes to, I guess, to see and, and, first of all, be enlightened in that revelation of God's perfect love uh, for us. Man, that's so healing. John 3.16 is a classic one, but mm-hmm. uh, when you understand it through what Christ actually meant in that scripture, um, it, it yeah, it changes so much. It brings such a hope and restoration of love. So just... I don't know if that's a clear thought, but just really addressing the conflict between you and God and seeing where where do I not have a clear connection with the Lord? Is it an understanding his love? Is it understanding his trust? Is it understanding... Um, you know, like uh, kind of like what we were mentioning earlier, like trying to figure out why did God let this happen or where was he and stuff. And when you find answers for that from God himself, actually, not just from people, but from the Lord in, in the personal prayer closet. And and especially through scripture, that's the the strongest weapon. Um, when that connection with the Lord is restored, there, there's a natural kind of a natural process of restoration that happens Mm -hmm. on its own. So I think that's, that's the cool part because God's presence is, is so restorative. Um, I think a big thing, and this is, I think where the process comes in is yes, you bring God and and invite God into that specific area, but we just hope that something happened, you know, in a snap of a finger and we just move on. Mm -hmm. But this is going to be kind of a, a daily, uh, struggle, not a struggle, maybe a wrestling. Um, and, and, I guess to maybe bring some hope to people is that every one of us, we have a wrestling that we have to do. Every one of us had something that we had been through that we need to kind of wrestle through, whether it was, you know, emotionally being abused or mentally, um, I don't know, whatever it can no, be.
0: No, I, yeah, I think it's very important that we do talk about that because, uh, for the people that are going through this and wrestling every day, it's not like everyone else is just like good. Chilling, like, we yeah. wake <laughs> up and we like, we're good. We yeah. have nothing going on.
1: Exactly. And that's the beauty of, uh, bringing things to the light and, uh, pursuing God's truth every, in every situation, every day. Um, there's a really powerful scripture in Ephesians that talks about, um, sexual immorality and how it says, expose the works of darkness, that it may become a place of light. Um, that's not exactly what it says, but, you know, paraphrased in my own, um, and that's the beauty of it is like when we expose something. So that means it's hiding in the dark right now, maybe in somebody's heart. And when you realize I can bring this to the light, the light, meaning God's presence, God's uh, grace is a place of um, healing. And so I bring what's in the dark and I bring it to the light. And, um, and th- first of all, that is so liberating, but, um, we, as, as, uh, because we're, you know, souls, we're, we're soul body and spirit, whatever breed, whatever is in the darkness, it breeds, you know, and multiplies, it exacerbates kind of like you have a bad dream and and you're like, okay, I should probably turn the light on. And all of a sudden the, the, after the bad dream, you don't feel as bad, you know, same thing with your soul, you know, everything is so horrific inside, but when you, you know, bring it into the light that already just illuminates the darkness and, and wounds begin to heal, um, and, and lies, they don't have kind of a stronghold anymore to hold on to. Um, and that's very, very healing. And yeah, truth begins to come. And that's, you know, John chapter eight says that truth sets us free, um, his truth. And so the biggest thing is, is bringing everything to light uh, to the presence of God, but not, not just bringing it to light and just kind of letting it chill there, but really replacing it with the scripture and the truth. Um, Because I think in the act of abuse, what happens is that person is so convinced that everything that happened to me is the truth. This is who I am. This is my identity. So it's so important to make a trade for the actual truth, which is the word of God. It's not something inspirational, something somebody tells you, but it's has to be the foundations of, of the scriptures of the Holy word. And so I take whatever lie that I've been believing for so long. And maybe, you know, especially when it's been through the means of sexual abuse, you have to realize that yeah, it did happen, but it doesn't have to be my reality of every day. You know, it is something that is of my past and, and I, I have to let it go. Um, but like, I need to trade it for what God offers instead. And, um, and that's the thing is like majority of victims, they've been living in, in abuse and that mindset for so long that it's just kind of, it's a, it's kind of like even in scripture where uh, Jesus would heal, you know, the, the, paralyzed and, and the lame and everything. And, and he would ask like, are you sure you're ready for this? Cause you're going to have to change your entire lifestyle. Mm. So even emotionally, mentally, you have to realize like, Hey, I'm going to let go of this fear and I'm going to actually pick up faith and mm. what Jesus offers. For example, going back to the whole identity thing where we were talking about, um, realizing that, okay, this isn't who I am. This is not my identity. And instead I'm going to pick up what God says that he gives me a new name And that like I'm washed and I'm pure and I'm, I'm, and I'm, you know, his daughter and I'm his son. And you you have to trade that and pick that up and, and, and wrestle with it every time that it comes up. And, and I think every time that it comes up, uh, there's just more and more of a sense of victory. So it's not a one-time thing. It's whenever that kind of lie begins to consume that moment of, of our minds And we say, okay, no, in the name of Jesus Christ, I know he's made me a new creation. And I, I let go of the thought that, Hey, this, this is who I am. I'm just made for this. And I pick up what God says. And, and like, I mean, I do this all the time. I wrestle, Mm -hmm. uh, in, in the prayer room and, and with the word of God and, and really facing the lies that are preaching so loudly within me and saying, no, like, this is not what the word of God says. So I'm going to submit my emotions I'm going to submit my mind, my thoughts, everything that seems so true to me, I'm going to submit it under the truth of the Lord Mm. and what he says, and I'm going to pick up what he says. Um, Naturally, I think the biggest thing to speak about is uh, forgiveness as well. Forgiveness is a massive step. Um, And I know that we had mentioned that it's not something to jump over quickly. Um, And forgiveness isn't a one-time thing either. Um, Forgiveness doesn't um, a lot of times people I think are afraid to forgive because they think, uh, Hey, this person's getting away with it, but it's not true. It's, it's freeing you. right? You know? Yeah, exactly. And, and never, when you forgive somebody and never, never justifies what they've done as right. Never. Um, it's, it's just, you're letting go of the poison. I actually heard this uh, being said, and I, I loved, I loved it. Um, I think we've all had that moment when we have an argument with somebody and we just, Later on, we go about our day and we're still arguing them in our mind. Right. And like we have a full-blown conversation. They're speaking, we're speaking, but it's all in our mind and, mm. and it never happened <laughs> in, in person. But that's exactly what happens with a person who didn't forgive and let go of that person that was uh, had abused them. Is you're constantly living with them mm. inside and you're always talking to them. And you're always trying to prove them wrong or, Hey, look like you tried to steal this from me, but look at how successful I am today. And look at what I did today. haha. You know, just like, uh, or, or just like, Hey, like, um, hurtful things, or I'm going to hurt you. And, and you're having all these arguments in your brain. And, and, um, one of the women was sharing and she's like, look, I sit down to eat my breakfast and I'm just arguing this man, you know, from ages ago. And and I'm and I go to sleep and he's on my mind and I wake up and he's on my mind and she's like wait why am I feeding him why am I nourishing him yeah. and just um, living with him in a way I need to have him move out like I need to live my life and I can't live with him anymore and so I let him go so it doesn't mean that what he did was okay but I realized I can't live like this and God offers me a new life and and. You know, even God gave me forgiveness and I can offer forgiveness, you know, and forgiveness is not something that is a human nature thing to do. It's something that we can do when in the light of scripture and in the light of the gospel, when we realize how much he forgave us. And, um, and especially when we give the revenge to God, first of all, that's what the Lord tells us in Romans is revenge is mine. I will repay. Mm-hmm. And when we live with it and continue to nourish it and to feed it, that's actually one of the biggest another tangent here, but that's one of the biggest issues that a person uh, who's been sexually abused face is that they'll uh, take that hurt that happened to them they'll pour it out onto somebody else. And that's exactly the cycle. So going back to even my friend and her grandfather, um, a person never wakes up as an abuser. You don't yeah. wake up and think, hey, I'm just gonna go and just do something really bad. you know it's it's a trickle uh, it's no it's a snowball effect. Uh, where, where something leads to something else and and it goes on from there. And kind of like any sort of drug addiction, uh, and every sexuality, sexual addiction as well, like pornography, it is a snowball effect. And, um, actually, uh, not too long ago, there's this uh, man by the name of Tim Ballard, um, search him up on Instagram, really cool guy, but he's facing human trafficking right now. Um, they have an organization called underground railroad and, they did, um, they were really trying to find a lot of, uh, child pornography and and all of that on people's hard drives. And, um, anyways, they find a bunch of 30 year old men, single men with like thousands and thousands of videos, pictures, and and all of that of child pornography. And they're like, how did you get here? How did you get here in this point of life? You're in your mid thirties, and this is what you're doing. This is what is consuming your mind. And they're like, Hey, I, every single one of them said, Hey, I was exposed to pornography at a young age. Mm -hmm. And, and I told myself that only a little bit, only sometimes only to relieve stress. And, and, and it would just spiral. And then eventually they're like, okay, I'll stop at 18 and I won't go any younger. And then, it, it's not enough. It's not, it doesn't give you the, the uh, response that you're looking for. So you go for something younger and younger and younger. And then you're like, Hey, you know, the images, the screen doesn't satisfy. I need it in person. And, yeah. and that's how abuse happens many times. And a person, um, who abuses almost all the time, every single person that ha- is abusive or perpetrator, they themselves have been abused. Yeah. And so can we necessarily get mad at every perpetrator? I mean, no way do I justify them either. But I think it's important to shed light on the idea and the fact that, hey, that person's also broken too. And and it's just a cycle. It's just mm-hmm. a nasty, nasty cycle. And the hope that I can even give a person who's been a victim is, hey, like you don't have to keep going in that cycle. Yeah. You can receive healing and not only is it going to change your life and the forgiveness that you offer and how you release that person and don't hold on to revenge Not only is that going to free you, but it's going to free generations and the people that you impact. You're not going to carry that hurt and pour it out onto people. Instead, you're going to give that hurt to the Lord and he's going to take care of it and he's going to offer healing instead. But yeah, um, walking in just the hope of God is such a, a big thing, realizing that God, his plans for us are good for the future. And what's beautiful is, you know, for a person who's been, for example, uh, sick and they come to the Lord and find healing in the Lord, they begin to know him as the healer. Say if a person never been physically healed, they don't know the Lord as the healer, right? And so uh, what's beautiful is I think the, uh, the hope that I'd want to give every soul out there that that might be hurting. And espe- especially with this issue is, hey, right now in this moment, you're going to have an opportunity to really get to know Jesus as the redeemer, as the one who gives you a new life, you know, as the one who offers you a hope so you'll get to know him as as a friend, as a counselor, as a as a father, yeah, and as a mm-hmm. redeemer. And that's yeah. something so beautiful. You're going to get to know the Lord in such a, a mighty way and um and it's uh, who he is is such a deeper reality than our abuse, yeah. than what had happened to us. And, and his hands are trustworthy and it's it's worth leaning into him. He does offer that restoration. So it is definitely a process and for some it's longer uh, than others and that's okay, you know, Um, and all of us are going to wrestle through a lot of things, but it's so important to wrestle with hope in mind in Christ um, and to keep leaning into him and realize that it's it's not who I am. He offers me a new name.
0: That's awesome. So yeah, that's the thing. So like you said, it's going to be process that could Mm -hmm. be a lot longer for some, but it will always, if you go through these steps that you're talking about, it will always end up, um, with Christ at the center, obviously Mm -hmm. in a place of victory.
1: Yeah. And of course I don't want to undermine, um, receiving professional help as well. That's um, something we, as an organization, we really stand for, um, which maybe we can even mention and talk about that of like what our organization actually does, Are kind of three focuses that we have. Um, but that's one of the things I do. I don't want to undermine is yes, we do come to the Lord and we receive healing from the Lord, but not to, um, shut down people who are offering to help, especially Mm -hmm. professionally, because this is trauma. Um, I was talking to one girl who, um, at the cry of a baby, it brings her flashbacks and she's there. She's back to being abused. And it's like, wait, um, Come and 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 find healing from even a person who's specialized in trauma care, um, and receive like just a deeper help in this in this area of your heart, especially when it comes even to marriage and, and so on, mm-hmm. where it's it's going to um, be even more so impactful. Uh, it's it's important to address as well.
0: Yeah, we are running low on time, but I did really want to um, talk about the three mm-hmm. processes quick, and then after that, if you could just. Um, talk about how people can help mm-hmm. um, your organization, or how they can reach out if they need help.
1: Yeah, sure. All right, let's fly through this. So, <laughs> yeah, um... know, sorry. This <laughs> is <a> good part. <laughs> so, uh, the three focuses that we we want to help have and and hold on to is first of all raising awareness that this actually exists, um, shedding light onto this issue, um, so that you know people don't live in darkness and live in bondage of of sin and and fear and and. Powerlessness and all these things that a person who's been through sexual abuse um, lives in. So, to shed light onto this issue, uh, one thing that we really want to focus on is to shed light, um, not necessarily just onto the victims, but onto ministers um, mm-hmm. in the sense of, hey, like the, we need to do something about it as a church, as a body of Christ, um, and to shed light even onto parenting. A lot of parents are like, "How do I how do I address this issue?" Especially living in this hypersexualized world that we're living in, is how do I walk this out um, and raising my children in this kind of a world? When do I speak to them about this? Um, for example, you know, growing up in a Slavic background, n- I never heard this. You know, from I never knew or heard uh, of this from my parents or from uh, a maybe a sound person, uh, biblically speaking or anything like that. It was through the means of culture or so on. And so it's important to raise awareness and give the healthy, proper biblical understanding of sexuality because it's so liberating when you understand God's design. Um, the next thing that we offer is just soul care. So soul care is in the sense of uh, providing an opportunity for victims to be heard. And what we have online is an uh, it's called Secure Connect, where people can um, reach out completely anonymously um, and they can um, yeah, receive help by sharing their story and we can respond to them, uh, anonymously as well and kind of have some sort of a conversation there for some people. That's all they need for that, like initial healing, mm-hmm. um, just to kind of get their story out there, get, get it of off the their life. chest. Yeah. yeah. And it's very healing for many people and that's, what's beautiful. So we offer that. Um, of course we do have, you know, uh, a form of, of talking to a person outside of just anonymously. Um, so we have kind of two modes that we can reach, uh, be reached to reach. Yeah. So how people can reach us. So, uh, and then the third step is we really try to advocate for people getting even deeper professional help. So yes, we can offer biblical counseling and whatnot, but, um, what we want to do is connect people with other Bible believing professionals who are born again who are trustworthy who maybe understand your background or culture or so on uh, and can offer help and stand alongside you through the process you know and it could be up to you you know if you want to do really dive in and and meet with this person regularly or if it's just every once in a while but it's a good person to be connected to throughout this process we just kind of offer people even books to read kind of just to walk um, alongside them in that sense of just providing proper resources and so on. So as you're asking about what can people do, first of all, Hey, raise awareness, you know, spread the word. We do. We just started an Instagram page (laughs) a couple weeks ago. Getting out there. (laughs) Yes. Mind her voice Inc. I N C at the end. So, um, another thing that people can do is even go on our website and just even fill out a survey. So I'm not speaking just to people who are victims of sexual abuse, but, um, actually really don't like that word victims because God is creating us to be overcomers in mm-hmm. the name of Jesus. Mm-hmm. So, um, but anyways, for anybody who's been, um, afflicted by sexual abuse or, um, or who hasn't, the thing is we need a good, clean cutout of, of, uh, of a statistic. So yeah. even just to go on our website and, um, put in your, uh, story, um, if, if you've been abused or not, like just the more the merrier, so that we have like a good, clean, um, cut out of of
0: uh, and the numbers population. you guys have right now like it's relatively high right?
1: yeah it is i pray that it's wrong <laughs> but the more i do this the more i realize it's probably not mm-hmm. right now um as of now we only have about 600 people i think that did the survey and as of now it's about 37 percent Wow, it's a very high number i hope that it's that it drops but um you know the reality is is there and 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 it's now it's just a matter of what are we going to do about it? Yeah, Yeah. Um, so, uh, another thing that we can, our, our plan eventually is, is to connect more and more people. So, uh, who, who are professionals in this field who have, you know, a degree maybe in, in counseling or therapy or anything like that. We'd love to get in contact with those kind of people to, um, kind of become more sort of a platform for people. Cause I know, um, you know, our ministry address every person's you know sexual uh questions or concerns you know um so just to be more so of a connection point for many people um that we can connect others with mm-hmm. and so our goal is just to yeah have conferences shed more light onto this issues uh, hold these seminars which we are holding currently um and one thing we also do is of course with finances with resources we try to cover the expense of the first counseling a session with a, with a professional. Oh, that's um, really awesome. and then in the long run, we want to open up a refugee home type of mm-hmm. thing where, where a couple people say, for example, three, four five girls who've been abused, they can come together, they can work, go to college and whatnot, but they can live together and uh, go through a program, say a couple hours every day of just being together and, and hurting together, but into the Lord and in, in the presence of God. Um, which is very healing actually for a person who's been abused to speak with somebody who themselves kind of maybe is a step ahead of them. And so that's kind of the goal in the wow. future, uh, is to create a couple of those kind of homes.
0: Cool. Um, so I am going to post, we're going to be cutting out here in a second. Um, but I am going to post all the links. If you want to send me all those, I'll post them on the yeah, sure. YouTube channel as well as I also just set up a pod- podcast, Instagram page, um, to nice. separate it from my account. So, i'm with you on that one um but yeah so i'll post it there and um anything that's relevant for people to click on and go um i'm not sure if you guys have a donation page as well or not um
1: hopefully in the next two
0: weeks or so okay so <laughs> we, as soon as to. um i get that i'll update that as well All right. but um Julie, i want to thank you for jumping on the podcast and talking about this heavy heavy subject um and i i don't you know um want anyone to be going through this but i think that this just hearing you talk about it will hopefully open up a a doorway for people Mm -hmm. to come out there and expose it and like you said get in the light um so i want to thank you guys for listening links will be in all the bios um for coming donations um and just reaching out whether that be anonymously or by name or if you just want to and i'll get julie's email if she's comfortable sharing that um if you want to reach out with how you can help more, mm-hmm. if that's fine yeah. with you.
1: Yeah. Thank you so much. Thank you yeah. for having us.
0: Yeah, of course. All right. That's it for episode 10 of Theologize. Thank you for listening and we'll see you next time.